I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation Mm -hmm. in our world today for Jesus. And uh, today we are in for a special treat. We are joined by our friend, Pastor Doug Vogley. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Well, we are thrilled to have you, and we're just going to lean into a fun topic today. Um, but for you who are a listener, maybe you're just tuning in for the very first time. You have no idea who we are, or what we do, or we're the Young Adults Today podcast, and we launch a new episode every Monday morning. And if you want to just help us out, you can rate, you can subscribe, review, and just share with us what God may be speaking, but also share um, with other friends, other family members, other ministries of what this could do and hopefully be a blessing to them. And this helps us reach more listeners when you connect with us at youngadults.today. But without any further ado, Josiah, we're going to lean into a fun topic of church planting, if I'm not mistaken. And we this are. is one of our favorite people who can hopefully unpack what that is and means for any and all people, right? It's exciting. So if you have a passion for the next generation, this conversation is going to be for you. And if you have ever thought about pioneering something, doing something that's never been done, reaching an unreached people group or a unchurched community, like mm-hmm. this is the conversation today. We're going to go to that place. And Doug Bogley is going to bring us there. He is the lead pastor at the Waters Church in Sartell, Minnesota, and also has a dual role pretty exciting in the Minnesota Assemblies of God, there is a program called the Church Multiplication Network. And Pastor Doug is the church planting director for the Minnesota Assemblies of God. And um, Pastor Doug, if you would, can we just start by having you lean into some of your narrative and some of your journey of life and leadership? Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, if if you would have asked me 20 years ago uh, what I'd be doing, I literally would have said anything but planting a church or starting a church. It's funny how God's got a great sense of humor. And, um, you know, I realized soon into it that it was just um, it was just fear of the unknown. Um, I, I think that, you know, we were in an established church for about a decade and I was a youth pastor and associate. And um, the thought of pioneering something was terrifying. Uh, I had three young children at the time, um, you know, kind of similar to you guys stepping out of what would be like a comfort zone into what I would say is the end of the diving board of faith, where you are just sink or swim at the end of the dock. And and it's amazing how God shows up and matches that that, uh, faith. I I joke with people, I think um, the line between faith and foolishness is a microchasm. (laughs) And the only difference is that the Lord tells you to jump versus just being dumb enough to jump. And so um, for us, we stepped into the greatest adventure uh, about 15 years ago when we said yes to planting our church. Our our church that we started, The Waters, will be uh, 15 years old in September, which um, I feel once a church planter, always a church planter. So I don't want to cross over and be an established church. I want to stay a a kid and stay, uh, have fun and be a church planter. Um, But the joy that we had when we stepped out in that is amazing. And I think that when it comes to like leadership, the the thought that popped into my head when you just said the word pioneer, um, there's pioneers and settlers, and we can change whatever words we want from going back to the 1800s to today. Um, But to be a pioneer, it takes a very entrepreneurial spirit that's willing to try something new, that's willing to go where nobody's gone before. Um, And and really, that's the joy and the excitement of church planting. It's not for everybody. Um, You know, I, I think that, you know, God is calling people to be a part of and to lead established churches to be a settler that sends out missionaries that that you know because the pioneers kind of paved the way but every single church in ministry was started by a pioneer <laughs> everything that's one thing we all have in common but once a church is third and fourth generation and been around 80 or 100 years you know um they may take on a little bit more of their their settlers you know and so the pioneers kind of came in and the settlers settled and without both you don't have a 
you're missing something. And so I I think it's easy to get a prideful, you know, heart that just says, well, that's the way to go. Church planting is the way to go. That's, you know, I think it's just a balance. I think um, as much as being called to be a missionary in Africa, Mm-hmm. and leave your home in the comforts and go pioneer something in a different country is as much of a call as to be a pioneer uh, in, in your community and in your area versus uh, settling in at a church in an established place. And so um, it's a different skill set. It's a different personality. And I think that one of the number one things outside of obviously calling that I've seen, uh, the, the, you know, if you mix all the ingredients of a church planter in a bowl, um, I think is that pioneer spirit and that entrepreneurial spirit that sees something not as it is now, but what it could be. Yes. Um, and so again, you need that to take an established church and say, God, where could you take this? But it's a little different because church planners don't get offered like from an 80 year old church. Here's a salary. We're going to pay your insurance. Here's an office. You already have a secretary. You already have a budget. You're coming in to kind of manage this settlement. That's a, that's a different kind of calling then, okay, so I'm willing to go deliver pizzas like I did in high school and college if I have to, to get my family and to, to pioneer and start this new thing. So what I love about um, this next generation, what I loved about youth ministry, what I love about young adults is there's just a lot of dreamers and this generation can make an impact. This generation's not afraid to to see things and chase after things. And so again, it's not for everybody, um, but it is fun to lean into that and dream about pioneers and and this challenge of the next generation. And when I look at our last 15 years, uh, I wouldn't trade what what we watched God do, um, stepping out on that edge of faith and needing him to show up um, has, has been just an amazing experience that has not only affected my heart and my wife's heart, but even more so to me would be my three kids seeing the faithfulness of God, you know, seeing those Red Sea moments where you all through the Old Testament, people talk back about remind your kids of the faithfulness of God. And, yes. and I would say yeah. one of the greatest joys of our life has been, um, you know, having kids that were three, six and nine when we started the church. And now uh, they're 18, 21 and 25. That's a different, that's a lot of 15 years there, you know, um, uh, to watch them see the faithfulness of God and his provision and his hand of, of blessing. I don't think there's any other greater joy than that. So I know that's kind of a shotgun blast of all over, but um, I just love the entrepreneurial side of, of, of just dreamers that, mm-hmm. you know, say uh, that Ephesians three, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And what I'd say to anybody listening today is, if you can dream it, not only can God do it, but he can do it better than right. you. Wow. Right. That's so good. Pastor Doug, I think you nailed it on the head. Like you're speaking our language. We, um, it's been prophesied over me pioneer and I, I couldn't agree more. And I went to school for business communication. So there's naturally an entrepreneurial bent, like in my family tree from my um, grandparents to aunts, uncles and beyond. And um, I couldn't agree more with the fact that the next generation, they are dreamers but they're also doers and we need to be both. If we're going to be pioneering, if we're going to be be propelling anything forward, we need to be, we need to be willing to do both and not just the dreamers. I think of the kayak and I probably used this before as like a kayak analogy is if you have a paddle and one side represents doing and the other side represents dreaming, we're going to be spinning in circles if we only do one or the other. But I feel yeah. like you said like this next generation and, and elements of millennials and, you know, other, you know, age groups and people who've gone before us obviously have had this too, but we have to be dreaming and doing dreaming and doing. And as God is downloading, we're being obedient and we're reading the word of God and we're hearing his voice. And just to kind of be in that kayak and sailing down the rivers and the rapids at times and getting ready to hold on for this wild adventure that you embarked upon 15 years ago, the things that you get to see along the way are probably just breathtaking from life transformation to um, addiction, people being set free and Um, it's just exciting to hear and see and know that the people who've gone before us were pioneers and hopefully we're standing on their shoulders to see further than they could ever 
um, see and to do more, not than they could ever do, but maybe with technology, we can, you know, do different levels of, of reaching the next. And that's our prayer for this uh, podcast, even more so is that whoever we have as a guest or what Josiah and myself is that the next generation can stand on our shoulders and see above and beyond what we can and are currently doing now. So I couldn't agree more with the, the, the doing and the dreaming and just that the visual that I get of like, ah, if you have that in you, are you ready to embark upon a wild adventure when you don't necessarily know where the road is going to lead you or where the water is going to lead you, but when you're serving the Lord in that process, he will remain faithful if you do. So this conversation is already firing me up because (laughs) (laughs) when I'm around church planters, I, I just, um, it's contagious, the faith, the, um, boldness, the audacity at times, mm-hmm. the fearlessness or the ability to do it scared. I think of also to somebody who I greatly admire as a church planter, Mark Batterson. He also has mm-hmm. a story, a narrative of a quote unquote, what he would call maybe a failed church planter, a church that closed. And so I think that uh, just like Babe Ruth said, like, don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing, playing the game. game. Yep. And, and being willing, because I grew up playing baseball. So I would always rather strike out <laughs> swinging at the ball, than like get caught, get rung up for watching the thing go by. Like we're here to one life yeah. on earth. We got to take some swings and chances and church planting. Like I said, inspires me, um, you know, as well as like, I've been to your church. The waters is amazing. I've also had Mm -hmm. friends move to maybe the central Minnesota area Mm -hmm. and you waited for them at the door and pastor Rachel Kupski waited for them at the door and they had a remarkable experience, got plugged into life-changing community and relationships. And one of the things that I know Mm -hmm. of you and your wife is that you guys have the gift of hospitality. When I think of the Vogley family, (laughs) the waters church, what I actually get the picture of is Lydia the people mm. of the purple cloth wow. and you guys are radically hospitable, like hospitable at your church, but also in your home. And one of the things that you might not know that I know, or that we know about you is that over the past 15 years, I think it's over 3000 people, probably more yeah. visited the church have also visited your home and yeah. have a meal yeah. with you guys. And yeah. I've never heard another story like it. And what I just think of like, okay, why has the Waters Church reached the community? Well, the people of the Purple Clock, people are looking for a pastor. People are looking for a home-cooked meal. People are looking for friends. They're looking for godly community or healing, hope. And you've offered those things, hope, being a pastor. And so I just want to pick your brain because Mm -hmm. Micah has the gift of hospitality in this home where we're sitting Every Thursday night for the past four years, we open it up to college students and young adults. So we've been deeply inspired by you, but can you talk about the value of hospitality? Yeah. Well, I I think people are longing for relationship, Um, you know, and, and um, it's, it's funny because the, you know, we were instructed in scripture, how will you know you're my disciples? It wasn't by honestly the disciplines, which again we think of dis- discipling as disciplines. It was by your love for one another, and a lot of Christians have a hard time loving others. <laughs> it's just a struggle because people are difficult. It's true. You know, it's true. They are, you know, and um, and and so, but you create a culture, and I, to me, the thing that is uh, really beautiful about about being a pioneer, being a planter, is you get to kind of make your own DNA. You, you get the opportunity to forge together what your ministry in life is going to look like. And I got to be honest that that has probably been one of the most freeing things for us uh, because being at an established church, this is not a, a rip on established church, but I went in and took a job and was told, this is what you do. And this is why you do it. And this is what's been done for years. And you'll do this. And here's the annual of events and here's the this and this is how you're going to do this this is when your office time is expected you know I, I i fit a mold of maybe being the the 10th youth pastor in a church you know that you're going to come in and do this when you're a pioneer you have the ability to pick and choose what pieces you want to put together mm-hmm. um and 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 so what's really funny is uh 
we really stumbled upon the the home thing on accident. Uh, we hadn't read it anywhere. We hadn't do, done anything. Our church started with 12 people. Um, it wasn't huge. And when we launched, you know, and we had at our first service, you know, a, um, a number, but I mean, we, we settled in maybe around 150 when we started. And, and here's how it really started. Uh, Peg and I just decided, hey, every Thursday, we're going to invite over a family from church that we want to connect with just one family, we're going to target them. And we're going to make it a family thing. Like our three kids, again, three, six, and nine, we want our kids to shoulder to shoulder to do ministry with us. So we invited other families with young kids, let our kids play in the back on the swing set while we grilled or while we did something. And it was so organic and it was so fun. Well, what literally happened was as the church began to grow, we soon realized that one family every Thursday is not enough. And I don't want to lose this because this is super enjoyable. Uh, we didn't start a church to have a big church. We didn't start a church so we could be removed from people. We started a church DNA wise so that we could be on the front lines with people in the trenches with people walking through the good, bad, and ugly, celebrating with them, crying with them and everything in between that that's our shepherd heart as pastors. And so it's really funny. Um, I, I remember talking to Peg and we just decided, hey, what if we we can't sustain this because we just can't even keep up with the new families coming in? What if we just once a month did dinner at our house and invited anybody that hasn't been there yet to come? And it was a DNA thing that, again, it happened accidentally because it got into just let's get a little bit more productive in this um, and, and let's make this count. And the DNA piece was I... I can't, can, you know, everyone has the opportunity to go as deep into the, your church or ministry as they want. Right. Uh, I, I view church as a health club. Like I can drive by it all day long, complain about my weight <laughs> and not go in. And I have every level that I could get involved in from a casual stick my toe in. I can sneak in and just go in the hot tub and leave and do nothing. I can go in and join every spin class and every class and have, a, and then I can go to another level uh, of relationship with a trainer and have somebody that calls me and says, why aren't you here that, you know, you're going to be here three days a week. I think church is the same way people drive by and they know I should be there, but you know, relationship is accountability is, is what it is. And so when all of a sudden a trainer knows your name and they're like, Hey, where you been? I haven't seen you at the club lately. Th those are helpful things. And so part of it was we want to be in relationship with people and just know who they are. And we never had any anticipation. I, I can be straight up honest. We had never thought our church would be big. I still don't know what the definition of a big church is. But we didn't even have that in our mind. It was just, we had a mission and we're just going to do what we do. And then more people liked it. More people kept coming and we got overwhelmed. Like, how do we keep doing this? I, I can't have hundreds of people and just be connecting with a handful of people. So it really evolved into a DNA piece that said this, and I can say this to this day, there is nobody that's ever walked, stepped foot into my church that could ever leave and say, I never got a chance to meet that guy. Wow. That's it. As leader, there's nobody that could now, if they didn't meet me, that's on you. <laughs> Cause I invited you to my house. If you didn't come, that's on you. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not being that in a mean way. What I'm saying is DNA means like, this is valuable. This is important. And so for us relationship, and I think that's what really gels differently with, with, with church plants is relationship is everything. Cause you've got nothing else. <laughs> you might not have a building. You might not have everything else that kind of glues things together. And, and so relationship just became a DNA piece where it's just like, I cannot connect with everybody. I get that. And I also can't be everybody's best friend. And I also can't be their call away for everybody because I don't want to be the Messiah. Oh. I just, but my church will be a church where it's led by the leader that says, hey, we're here for people. And nobody can ever say they never had an opportunity to connect with me. That's why DNA is I'm at the door every week and I'm going to shake everybody's hand coming in. DNA is that in our church, families are a passion, kids are our priority. I will greet kids intentionally before their parents. I will go to the kids and give a high five and get down on my knee and welcome somebody and have all kinds of kids coming in and giving hugs and excited to come in and seem like it's really life-giving because those are DNA pieces. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of planting a church or being a part of a church plant is 
you get more of the opportunity or ability to set that DNA rather than like inheriting a DNA that's right. already there. And so that's, that's actually been a really uh, beautiful thing. So uh, that relationship piece, I, I, I remember telling my wife one day, I'm like, man, if we just did this once a month, who knows who will come. But I, even if our church someday has a thousand people, we could still do one night a month where right. people come into our home. And so it, it so cuts down the, the glass ceiling between me and my people, because I'm like, dude, come into my house. <laughs> now, yeah. you know, and you hear where my kids broke this and did that. And we're a part of this. And like, mm-hmm. so when I'm preaching or sharing stories, and that was all part of what we wanted to do. And my last thought on, you know, on that was with that DNA piece, it's, it's, it's very much so like, parenting or getting married or starting things everybody's raised in a certain way and and heritage is important and tradition is important but you know when the two of you got married and started having kids you were like you were merging your two backgrounds saying yeah. mm-hmm. what are our house rules going to be right. it's great i like that your mom did this and i like that your dad did this and i like that they did this but you get the opportunity to be able to say what is our home going to look like and how are we going to raise our children in that home? That's, I love that ability with a church plant because you're making up your own house rules saying it doesn't have to be like anybody else. What are we going to do? Right. I think that's quite enlightening and quite freeing. And I just would love to see more young adults be a part of a, of, you know, of a plant or a ministry or different things like that. Pastor Doug, that is that is a beautiful, I think, representation of pure-hearted leadership, going in with the intention of we don't need to be busting at the seams number-wise, like you said. Like, what is the description of a of a, a large mega church, a big church, a small church? Like, and I think quality and quantity. Um, God's looking for quality, and those qu- quality comes to relationships. It comes with the um, the DNA that you're talking about. And if people can walk into the doors of any church and recognize and realize wow, this feels like home or wow, they are intentional. I've never shaken a pastor's hand. I've never received prayer before. So we've come across a lot of young adults and individuals um, who've never received some of those things, who never had a pastor invite them over to their house or a leader invite them into their home for a weekly Bible study. And that's we are designed for community, right? Biblically, like Jesus did life with his disciples. He did life with people around him. And if we as leaders can create a culture where people feel welcome, where it feels warm, it's non-judgmental. They get to see, they get to see how I treat my spouse in our home. They get to see our backyard. They get to see that we are imperfect people serving a perfect God. And we know that some of the people that we've come across, whether they're listening or they're going to listen to this podcast as time goes on, maybe for the leader who's specifically praying for church planting someday or open to the possibility because there's many young adults who have an entrepreneurial spirit but maybe they're still coming under the authority of somebody else's vision when they feel god stirring something in their own heart and spirit how can they become a future ready leader today and what can they do to prepare for something now which is obviously going to take place later what do you have to say about that I think so much of preparing for now is it's people dream about what's in the future. And, and I'm just like, start with now with what's in your hand. Um, Being a dreamer, I have a lot of people like dream and, and say, Hey, um, I'll give you an example. Boy, I I have a dream on my heart to start a, a feeding ministry. Like I'd love to feed a community. I'd love to start this ministry to be like, Uh, and, and, and my advice is always to go back to like, what can you do today? Yeah. Because when you're faithful with what God's put in your hand today, he knows he can trust you tomorrow. When you are faithful with little, he can trust you with much. So I gotta be honest. I say all the time, I say all the time to people before you ever want to feed hundreds, I want to hear you go to McDonald's and and buy 10 McDoubles or 10 McChicken sandwiches and go on the corner and just hand those out to 10 people. Mm-hmm. I want you to start because when God sees that you're faithful with 10, then he knows he can trust you with a hundred or even a thousand someday. And I think that sometimes people get this grandiose, like big mm-hmm. idea of like, I got these dreams, I got these dreams. And I'm like, 
Yeah, you do. But, but start now, start mm-hmm. today, let it become part of your lifestyle because that's what DNA is like. That's right. that DNA is just in you. Like right. you don't, you don't have to force yourself to discipline, to like do certain things when it is, when it is so much DNA in you, that's just coming out of you. And I just think, man, you start today with what the Lord's put in your hand. And so I'm a dreamer and I love the big dream, but I'm like, okay, before you want to do this big thing, start, how can you break that back and whittle it back to today? So my, my heart would be one of the greatest ways to raise up church planters is get young people that say, I want to go check out a church plant, or I want to visit a few. I want to go, I, I want to go find out what they do. I want to see what they're all about. Cause they're all different. That's what's so cool. There's a, they're all different just as much as every Kai elf is different. Every, everything's going to take on the flair of the leader and the type of ministry that they're doing. And so I, I just think that, and just be faithful in what you want to do. So when someone feels called to like start a ministry someday, like to a campus, I'm like, well, then start a small group right now with three Amen. students. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. God will give you 30, he'll give you three and just be faithful in that. And just, so my advice to everybody is don't wait, 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 start now with yep. what is the, what, what can you break down into bite-sized chunks that, okay, I don't have the education yet. I don't have the backing. I don't have the finances. I don't have this, but you know what you do have, you have 10 bucks to go buy $10 worth of food and hand it out to somebody and begin. And those are seeds and you, you, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. And so to sow into those things, man, it's just, we're all in a, a spiritual harvest. And right. uh, yeah. So I just think be faithful where you're at and where you're planted and I love the story of Esther because I feel like when we went to plant our church, every single part of us for such a time as this was wired yeah. for that. And we're like, yeah. this is like our God story happening right now. For such a time as this, it's 2022 and man, the time is now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you're talking also about like a, a Kairos moment. Mm-hmm. There's chron- Kronos, like in, in the Greek chronology, like a chronological clock or, or timepiece or whatever, but there is a Kairos, like this God orchestrated mm-hmm. moment that is for such a time as this. And what's interesting about time is it goes so fast. Pastor mm-hmm. Doug, like 15 yeah. years, boom. Yep. And, you know, for us coming up on five years of marriage, blink mm-hmm. of an eye, we already got yep. a two-year-old, already have a nine-month-old mm-hmm. and it goes mm-hmm. so quickly. And I think of your kids who we know some of them, and they were three, six, nine. Now you said they're all young adults. Yeah. I'd be curious, like, you know, so much of, of life mm-hmm. happens also quickly. I think that's the greatest surprise of like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I'd be curious, like now that your kids are young adults, how has that shaped your view as a lead pastor of a church, as a church planter, as a church multiplication director? Like, what has that done for you? Um, knowing that your kids who might be at home, they might not be at home now or much longer. Like, how has that shaped your philosophy of ministry? Honestly, knowing that your kids are young adults in the world today, they're the next generation now. Yeah. Uh, You know, honestly, that's an easy question for me because if I shift back again, you'll hear me go refer a lot to DNA, DNA that's, that's in those beginning stages. Um, one of our three major, major things that was families are a passion, kids are a priority. I have told my kids, we invited our kids into our world. We didn't have a separate compartmentalized, like here's our kids, here's this. And so um, I I was able to, uh, from the beginning, we had them a part of everything that we everything that we did. So when we went around and we visited and itinerated at other churches, Mm -hmm. uh, we would check them into the nursery and kids church. And we would, we would use them for feedback. What did you like today? Mm -hmm. Did you, what did you, what, what made you, what did you enjoy? What, what should we do at our church someday? And so the truth is we tell our kids to this day, we started this church for you. Mm -hmm. And we figured if our three kids liked it, there's got to be some other kids that would like what our kids do. So we catered it around the DNA of like Peg and I realized at that stage, when we were starting the church, we asked ourselves this question, what's the most important thing in our lives? And that answer hands down was our three kids. 
And we were like, if I were picking a church, because I was a pastor, I never really got to pick a church. You know, I was a pastor's kid. I got to say, I've never picked a church really in my life. It feels like. Um, and and so to, to hit that point where where we said, um, if we were to pick a church, what would we pick? Would we go for worship? Yes, we love worship. Would we go for great speaking and preaching? Yes, we love that as adults. But we made this determination if our kids loved something, I would put up with mediocre preaching and mediocre worship. If my kids were begging me to go back to a place where they were going to hear about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I decided from the very beginning as a church plant, we might not have the greatest worship. I might not be the greatest preacher, but if we have the greatest kids ministry and kids are saying, mom and dad, I want to go mom and dad, I want to get there. Um, that has been pinnacle to us. So when I say DNA, um, that has really shaped every single part of it. I started our youth ministry with my daughter when she hit sixth grade with five other kids. And uh, there were seven of us, including me. And that was it. And I was like, I was a youth pastor for a decade. I can figure this stuff out, you know? And, and, um, but, but really everything was really filtered through a new lens, not a lens of like, this is youth ministry and this is what you need to do. More like I'm a parent. I got three kids. What do they need me to do? And that DNA shaped everything. And to this day, uh, well, I'll get, we'll get choked up because the, the deepest strings of my heart, when we started the church, my prayer and my heart was a, a scripture that is not even in context. So I don't want to take your young adults and teach them how to take scripture out of context, but I'm saying, God spoke to me. What good is it if you profit the whole world and lose your own soul, forfeit your own soul? And what the Lord spoke to me personally through that was, what good does it do if I start a phenomenal church and I reach a community and have a great name in the community that everybody likes Pastor Doug and my own kids don't like me or the church or God? Right. And I decided, and I will tell this to my church to this day, the, the most important people in the Waters Church are my three kids. And you know what? Everyone in my church will cheer when I say that. There's not like, well, my kids are important too. I'm like, yep, your kids should be important. But you know who's most important to me? My wife and my kids. Because my wife is who I'm going to grow old with sipping lemonade on the front porch, not you. <laughs> you guys will move on or leave or like, you know what I mean? But I'm like... And, and, and that was just my context. And so when I go back to DNA, and that's a great question, honestly, um, I just like to, to catch the reality of this team thing. And this team yeah. includes, includes my kids. And so it's, it's a thrill. My oldest daughter worked for us for the last couple of years. Um, my son works for us. My youngest daughter, who graduates next Friday, is, uh, is going to intern full-time all summer with us the greatest joy of my life is getting to do life and ministry with my, with our family uh, 15 years later. And so it's DNA, it's DNA. You don't think about DNA. It just happens. And, and, but you have to be intentional to protect it. I love the emphasis, Pastor Doug, that you're having in this conversation Mm -hmm. about DNA, because our kids Mm -hmm. are a hybrid, a double helix Mm -hmm. of Micah's DNA Mm -hmm. and my DNA. And so when you talk about your family, Peggy, Doug, three amazing kids, and I look at, they're going to look like you. And then as a leader, as a spiritual mother, or as a spiritual father mm-hmm. to a generation, you know, like you're going to, you're, you're going to reproduce who you are naturally. And yeah. so I, I think that's an inspiring word picture for any young leader or mm-hmm. any future church planter or whatever God will have you do as you follow him one obedient step at a time. And I just ask this question because one of the things that we're seeing locally mm-hmm. and nationally is a lot of people who are mm-hmm. in senior leadership, Pastor Doug, they're about your age, your age and your generation lead pastors, They've been pastoring maybe 15 years, 20 years, Mm -hmm. and they've got kids who they started a kids ministry for, and then their kids were in youth group. And so they, they launched a youth group if if they're in the church planting world and, and maybe young adult ministry, 18 to 30 year olds, like they're a part of the church because it's a church plant or it's, you know, Mm -hmm. they're there, but across the globe, there's a missing generation. There is a generation Z who is saying their rally cry is what about us? Where's the place at the table for us? 
where's the invite to a pastor's house for us? Mm -hmm. And so we want to advocate for young adults in our world today. And sometimes we get pushback from time to time where it's like, well, young adults are a part of our vision, but then kids become youth and mm -hmm. youth become young adults. So we're careful to integrate the young adult piece, 18 to 30 year olds are part of the family. They're a part of the next generation and they're leaders of the future and they're leaders today. So I'd just be curious, like, do you have any thoughts on that about like, because we're seeing that as a trend of churches are now launching young adults. And sometimes it becomes what was once an afterthought. It goes from categorical to personal when our kids hit that age. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's so critical and being a youth pastor for a decade before we planted, um, I've always had a passion for that. Um, I have a hard time understanding how any pastor could say we don't have a vision for that. I get if that's not your forte or your like frontline piece, but um, to miss that demographic around the table and miss that is so uh, sad. And, um, and, and, and so I, I don't know, just kind of just kind of thinking through that process of, of reaching people. I, I got to tell you something just really neat. So on Monday night, so it's Wednesday today for, I don't know when this gets posted, but so not even 48 hours ago, we did a senior night. So again, my baby, my third child now uh, is 18 and going to graduate from high school. So uh, our, our youth pastors did a senior night, a senior parent night that was really significant on Monday night and had a room full of parents with their seniors. And we did a banquet for them, you know, seniors kind of have all these recognition things and stuff. And it was, it was a, it was an incredible, I love our team. And, and I was able to experience that as a parent, not as a pastor. I'd never been there before. Um, and so what I loved that was so cool was that we had a time of prayer over each of the students and had parents like, um, put their hands on their students and just pray for them or guardians or whoever was there after um, Pastor Luke, one of our youth pastors shared a, uh, just a message about trusting God in these next steps. But then this was super important. Uh, Jake Hemish, who is another one of, we have three youth pastors. Uh, we actually have two Jakes, but <laughs> Jake Hemish, the beard, um, he wrapped it up by giving a challenge from a young adult perspective and gave a charge to each of those students to not become, uh, when you go off into this next season, we are walking with you and we will, we want to take the time to plug every one of you into a group or a church, wherever you're going for school, wherever you're moving, wherever you're going. And he really gave the, the charge that, Hey, we have invested in you for years and this isn't done, you know, and our seniors got a Bible and just all that stuff. But it was like, it was a very intentional move. And I got to say, that's what DNA is when it just happens without even trying. I had nothing to do with that. That was my leaders. And I didn't even know that was happening because I was just there as the father of a senior. Yeah. And to hear that charge to like, we don't want to lose any of you. Like we care enough about you, please. Uh, Jake, Jake said, he goes, I will find you a church, no matter what town you go to will, he goes, if I got to make calls, if I got to Google, if I've got to research what churches we could help get you plugged in, and then I'll get you a contact with the pastor or with a leader, um, you know, or with a Chi Alpha or with any group like that, Love that you. is so significant. And, and that is, that was missional. And as a parent, I just have to say, I had nothing to do with that. I, so I'm like, that was incredible and teared me up to think about the power because, you know, we put so much effort. I think that it goes back to the foundations mm -hmm. in kids, church and youth ministry that are prepping them. Everybody kind of gets a little bit of the spread your wings and fly at 18 and try it. But if, if we're going to lean in to raise up a child in the way they should go and when they're older, notice that that promise has no age to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just says when they're older, they won't depart from it. I want older, not to be older, older, older. I want it to be like, man, you know, let's get these people plugged in. And I do think that there's so many youth ministries and things that it's just kind of like, you're 18, you're done. And then like, what do you do after that? And so um, I'm really thankful that in our DNA, it's highly important. And so we do first Sunday and we provide a lunch, the church pays for it for all of our 
college students and young adults, age 18 to 25. We do uh, uh, four major events per year. And I know you've been a part of those different things, Josiah. And uh, Jay Kemish has just done a great job of developing those because we didn't have those. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and, and so it's, it's just fun. But I think that you get what you celebrate. And, um, and there are young adults just looking for a place. And so now it's to the point where we had nothing a few years ago to, I know that it's not uncommon to have 60, 70, some young adults gathering for one of their services, like, a four, you know, um, you know, and, and I, again, I just think that's that intentional target to say, we're not going to let you fall through the cracks. And that is not just our responsibility. That's all believers responsibilities all parents responsibility all adults that understand the passing of the baton and the mantle to the next generation right we get this wrong we're stunting our growth for the next 40 years Mm -hmm. and and you see it way back from the people of israel having to pass it on from generation to generation and we need to do a better job and it has it is so critical and so any young adults that are taking the time to listen to this, first of all, I have to say, I respect them so much for taking the time out of their busy world mm-hmm. to have the interest in a podcast and listen to ways that they can grow in their faith. And But they are valued and they are the next generation and we can't miss that at all. Yeah, I think that's so good. It. And we've had friends in ministry um, who led youth and every summer they would say, Hey, I'm going to call you once your school year starts. And they'd reach out. What part of church do you need a church? We'll find you a church. Are you in state out of state? Where are you going? How are you developing? You know, are you spending time with the Lord? And he would intentionally call every single senior that I graduated that spring to ensure that he had done everything he could, um, to help keep and see them stay connected to some form of church, not just a kayak on a college campus necessarily, or whatever ministry is taking place on a college campus. But in addition to that, what local church are you a part of? And I just admire that. And I think that's a good challenge for all of us as listeners, as believers, as people spreading the gospel is what is our DNA? Aside from who God says we are, what does our DNA look like? And what, what, what are we living on mission for? And what is our mission? Can we tell somebody our mission and vision that God is birthing with inside of us? And are we actively living that out? And like you had said, like you don't have to think about DNA because it's a part of who you are, right? And yeah. I think some of the listeners probably want to know a little bit more about who you are, Pastor Doug. So we have five minutes on the clock. We oh, have boy. five questions. It's five and five. Are you up for a challenge? Oh boy. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Question number one. What's something that you're into right now as a hobby outside of ministry? Pontoon boat. Woo, there you go. It's amazing. I get on the water. I get on the water as much as possible. That sounds That's good. Like we a need that up here. Yeah. D and Minnesota, right? For lakes <laughs> and everything. And um, what about this? What are you looking forward to maybe this summer or in the near future? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny cause it ties into that first one, but we've had a really busy run. Um, actually my son just got married one month ago on Sunday. So, um, uh, that was his one month anniversary. And so, um, at the end of April, they got married. So we went from seven services for Easter to the, the, the next Friday, we were doing a wedding, went into equip and district council stuff, went into two weeks of ministers and wives retreat that we prepped for and work at along with everything else to like, I'm, I'm kind of at the end of a long run that uh, I have Memorial day off and uh, Thursday I'm going golfing and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I'm going to be on my my pontoon boat (laughs) and uh, spending as much time just enjoying nature in the water. So if you ask what I'm looking forward to more than anything, a four day weekend, I'm not preaching. I'm not doing anything. I am am looking forward to a a, a Sabbath and some time, uh, just enjoying. I love it too. All right. Question number three, here's the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question, what would you ask us today? Anything. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, I would say I, I, you know, it's going to be hard to answer, but just I think one of the hardest balances is how incorporating your kids and family into mm-hmm. what you do um, instead of compartmentalizing, like how, how does, how does it work? You said you got a couple of young children mm-hmm. uh, that changes 
life and perspective. So how are you guys doing incorporating that into, into life? They were also born at a really interesting time. Like the first, our first daughter, Aurora, I didn't know if I'd be in the hospital because that's yeah. where our world was at. And so now they're at the age. So like last night, we did our end of the year uh, ministry dessert reception banquet yep. and pastors were there, um, students were there, parents and our prayer team, financial supporters of the ministry. And we had my mom mm -hmm. there with, uh, my dad was there too, and they had our girls. And mm -hmm. so some of our supporters, for example, maybe we haven't seen them or whatever, that maybe they, they, they might have not besides Facebook ever seen mm -hmm. our girls. Wow. And our daughter picked out the cupcakes that we served because she said that they make her happy. Oh, that's fun. That's and um, so they were there last night and we are, are trying to be like, I think of um, childcare was sick this weekend. So I preached at a church and on the front row, I'm holding our nine month old because yeah. it was just how things shaked out and mm -hmm. it, it's our life. And wow. so they're welcome and they're wanted. They're not mm -hmm. forced into anything, yeah. but they're, they're a part of the family. And, um, when we go to an event, it's, hey, will you pray for mom and dad? We're going to pray as a family. They're going to bless and send us because we're going to go tell young adults about Jesus. Right. Or we're going to go yeah. grow as leaders to tell people about Jesus. So yeah, that's a couple of ways. And you, you lead the way in our home with that. Oh, I would say just nighttime. They know that it's prayer time. Morning is usually... A if you listen to the song, Jesus loves me on an eight hour road trip with a two minute song over and over and over, literally over and over for seven hours straight. Um, so it's just fun to like incorporate worship. Like they love, well, primarily our older one right now loves worship. I remember her being 10 months old, probably going to church for the first time. We sat in the back and we brought her with, and you know, everybody raises their hands, was raising their hands or clapping. And she was learning how to wave. So both of her hands were up like this. She thought everybody was waving to her, but then we started worshiping. So even on just special event nights where it's a Wednesday night service in our local church, like we will take them to worship. Whether the youngest one sleeps, She's there where the oldest one, she stays up a little past her bedtime. You know what? She's... It's not going to make a break it, but she's worshiping mm -hmm. truly and dancing mm -hmm. before the yeah. Lord and um, blessing and sending like Josiah said as a huge component. And um, yeah, like they're part of this family. They're part of the mission. They're part of the vision. They're part of, you know, the ministry at whole. And we just don't see that changing. I hope, I mean, that's not our heart. So <laughs> cool. That's fun. It's been fun for oh, sure. Right. And how about, how about with the last two questions? One of them, question four or five, Ooh. is there a story that just wells up in your heart today about a miracle at the Waters Church? Maybe it was a testimony, story of life change, but there's miracles happening at the Waters. What's one of them? Uh, just, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really fun. And I'll say an interesting one because it's just, it's fresh from just this last Sunday. So you know, you can go in the vault, but, um, I, I don't do a great job at preaching on tithing. I'm just not a, I think there's so many people that have a, uh, you know, they've, they've felt the abuse of preaching on money too much. And so I've always struggled with that. And I felt this really, you know, we're in a life hack series where we're just talking about what the word of God has for life hacks. And I talked about finances and 73% of people that's their number one concern and fear right now. And, um, you know, so I just, a bunch of stuff, but I just preached on first fruits. And when you put God first, he takes care of the rest. And, um, I had a gentleman, uh, that, that was raised in church. He's a pastor's kid, actually raised in church his entire life that came up to me, like shaking, like, like Holy spirit shaking, like, like emotional, like saying, God told me I'm supposed to do this. I've, he goes, I've, I've never tithed in my entire life and I'm starting right now. And I can't wait to start because I can't wait to see what God does. I can't wait. So it's weird when you think about miracles, because I mean, there's miracles, there's, there's financial miracles, there's healing miracles, there's emotional healing, but it was really weird because I don't expect to preach a sermon on finances and then have uh, a, a miracle happen. And then I had a number of other people that reached out to me that said, I just got to tell you my story. And it's like, now I'm like, oh goodness, I got to capture this stuff on video. Cause it's, it's, it's wow. not a life draining thing. It's a life giving thing to realize right. that, oh, God actually 
released and blessed some of these things in these people's lives. So I know that's a really weird testimony because it's like, boy, I was saved. I was delivered. I was this and that. But I mean, that was just literally this weekend preaching on that. And I just, when you go into money, I just like, I don't really expect a lot of hoopla of like, wow, pastor, that was a great message. It's it's more like everyone leaves with the walk of shame, you know, and, uh, but to think of how revolutionary that can be to just honor God with your wealth, with your first fruits, and then your storehouse will be full. And that was just a, it was, I couldn't believe the amount of financial testimonies I got to hear that I would have never heard. So that was, that was kind of a neat thing. So unique, it's not like some miracle, but just to watch the Holy spirit, literally it has to be a God thing, not a guilt thing. Yep. And to watch the attitude change to like, wow, I am inviting God into my finances and watch the emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, Luther that says there's the three conversions of the, the, the mind, the heart and the pocketbook. Mm-hmm. And I never realized till I talked to this gentleman that was literally moved that he had had a conversion of his mind and heart. He literally had a conversion of his pocketbook where the Lord said, You'd given it to me. And I don't know, it was very encouraging to me because again, that's a discouraging topic for me. <laughs> like, and yet I'm like, wow, we're missing out on some life-changing principles. So that that was a really fun, you know, miracle that I believe is yet to be written, what God's gonna do in, right. in blessing. That's Amen. so good. Well, here's the last and the final question. If you have a go-to snack on your pontoon, what is your go-to snack? Well. It's, uh, it's probably two things. Uh, first of all, a Butterfinger is my go-to. Uh, if I can have some candy, I, that's, that's my, uh, that's my thing. And then a, uh, uh, a zero root beer to offset the sugar in the Butterfinger. So I feel like <laughs> uh, if, I'm, if I'm drinking a zero root beer cream soda with a candy bar, and then it kind of offsets a little bit. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Working on his tan. That is really fun. And Pastor Doug, we just want to thank you for the leader that you are, the ways that um, you're Mm -hmm. serving in Sartell with the waters, as well as in our district with church planting and for having this conversation with us today. Oh, that's my privilege. This was really fun. Amazing. And if you want to find out more about Pastor Doug, church planting or the Waters Church, we'll put some links in the show notes. And until next time, this is Josiah Micah signing off. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now, yeah.